This episode features dramatizations of imperialism, brief references to suicidal ideation, and discussions of racism, colonization, and the genocide of indigenous peoples under the Spanish Empire. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Please note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of any single depiction of the Dark Watchers. Today's episode combines elements from a number of California legends and stories for dramatic effect. Hello everyone, I'm Vanessa Richardson, and this is Mythical Monsters, a Spotify original from Parcast. This week, we finish out our Murrican Monsters series. We've met skunk apes in Florida and mothmen in West Virginia. Now we'll journey back in time to the Pacific coast, to the very beginning of the American nightmare. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we meet monsters far more ancient than the U.S. of A. First sighted by Spanish colonizers in the early 16th century, they're mysterious, terrifying forces of nature. These enigmatic figures are found in the heights of one of the country's steepest coastal mountain ranges, and they're known as the Dark Watchers of the Santa Lucia Mountains. Coming up, the Watchers turn their gaze on you. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In 1542, conquistador Juan Rodriguez Cabrillo was mapping the California coast for the Spanish Empire. Sailing north from Mexico, he charted what is now Baja, San Diego, and Santa Monica. On his journey, he found himself in frequent conflict with the area's indigenous peoples, like the Tongva and Chumash. Every Spaniard on his mission was on edge, and the mood only worsened when they saw unnaturally tall, dark figures watching them from the California coast. They stood on the jagged peaks of what we now call the Santa Lucia Mountains. Watching silently, dressed in dark cloaks and round hats, 
they were featureless, but they were the most ominous shadows the sailors had ever encountered. Cabrillo quickly hurried on to Monterey, and the figures weren't seen again until 60 years later. That's when the Spanish cartographer Sebastián Vizcaíno gave them their name, Los Vigilantes Oscuros, or in English, the Dark Watchers. They've since appeared in a John Steinbeck short story and in many urban legends surrounding the area of Big Sur, California. It's unclear who these watchers are or what they want. All we know is they prefer to be left alone in their territory. Unfortunately, some felt that territory was theirs to claim. Father Bernardo was not interested in adventure. He would have been content to live in Mexico City the rest of his days. Though he was an ocean away from his family and friends, at least he was in a growing metropolis. Every day he found himself missing the excitement of life at the chapel in the bustling Plaza Santo Domingo. But as New Spain neared the turning of the century, the year 1700, he'd been sent north to that wild, remote land they called California. By order of His Majesty, he was to aid and support the settlers. He had a bad feeling about the trip, and the stormy seas and nausea he endured on the boat voyage seemed to confirm that this was a terrible idea. Bernardo disembarked from a little rowboat on an empty beach with his superior, Father Aron. The man was slightly older than Father Bernardo, his dark hair peppered by silvery gray. He had that unmistakable manner of a confessor and teacher, a true man of God. He was Bernardo's only comfort as he gazed up at the tan and jagged peaks of the Santa Lucia Mountains. The other members of their party were less comforting. One was a donkey who was as anxious as Bernardo. The other was their guide, a grizzled conquistador named Hernán. His jocular air felt oppressive in a landscape as lonely as this. Bernardo could see no trail or path from the beach, so he asked nervously, how are we to cross? Hernán laughed, smacking his hand against the back of Bernardo's brown robe. We make a way, little priest, as we have always done. He drew the longest, widest blade Bernardo had ever seen from his pack and began hacking at the brush at the edge of the beach. Father Aron gave Bernardo a gentle look of encouragement and whispered, have faith in yourself. Then he fell into line behind the conquistador. It was not easy going, but Bernardo handled the ascent as best he could. As they climbed, Ednan told stories about his battles with the occupants of these lands. Father Aron interjected to poke at Ednan's wilder assertions. For example, the Chumash natives were not nine feet tall. They were men like the Spanish, and also children of God. Ednan did not like this deflation of his tales, but Bernardo appreciated it as they snaked along a path above a deep canyon. His fun ruined, the conquistador turned to a new topic, Bernardo's difficulties in keeping up. 
Bernardo felt his cheeks flush with shame. He wanted to say that he hadn't asked for this assignment and that he had no interest in becoming a brute like Hernan, but the man frightened him too much. Father Aron raised his voice slightly, the way he spoke to children he taught in Mexico City. Leave him alone, Captain Ednan. He has not hardened to this world like you. Ednan raised his eyes to the winding heights above them. The way will be hard, little priest. Pray you can keep up and always keep an eye out, or the Watchers will find you. Bernardo shivered and asked, The Watchers? Ednan's face was ghoulish as he leaned in to whisper, Los Vigilantes Oscuros. They wait in these hills, lurking above. Pray they don't see you. For once you are seen, you can never hide again. Father Aron sighed. It's a fairy tale told to the settler children, Bernardo, to keep them from falling into canyons or climbing too high. But the redwood forest beyond the trail is treacherous. I can't help but feel that we are not meant to be alone out here. Bernardo nodded. Aron was right. While he'd heard locals trade eerie legends back in Mexico City, he'd never feared them. This place was different. He felt a prickle of unease climb up his spine as he thought about the Watchers. From Ednan's telling, they didn't quite sound like ghosts. They seemed more cosmic somehow, like the avenging angels he heard whispers of in the plazas of Mexico City, righting wrongs that society had ignored. But he was far from that city now, in a remote, wild place where the waves were too loud and the wind was too strong. Bernardo felt as if the whole world was watching him, waiting to test how strong he really was. The donkey let out a bray of distress as it slipped on the precarious path. Father Aron held tightly to the animal's lead to keep it from the cliff's edge. He muttered, she's seen something. Bernardo looked around, panicked. He'd heard stories of lions in the mountains, and he'd had much to fear even before Ednan had offered his horrible warning about the Watchers. But he would have given anything to see a lion right then. Because instead, on the high ridge on the other side of the canyon, Bernardo saw an impossibly dark shape. It was larger than any man should be. Its form was human, or human enough, and it wore what looked like a wide-brimmed hat and a broad cape. Though the sun in the mountains was painfully bright, Bernardo could discern no features in its form. It was a shadow, a void that threatened to swallow everything around it. Bernardo was still struggling to articulate what he was looking at when he heard a scuffle, then a cry. He looked just in time to see Father Aron tumble off the cliff. Hernan bounded to the edge, arms outstretched. He grasped the sleeve of the priest's robes, but then Bernardo heard the ominous stretch and rip of the fabric. Bernardo rushed forward to help, but Father Aron was already a misshapen shadow on the rocks below. And when Bernardo looked back up to the other side of the canyon, 
he saw that the Dark Watcher was gone. Coming up, Father Bernardo is alone with Hernán, but they're not alone at all. Imagine living with a secret so big that if anyone ever found out, it would change everything. Imagine carrying that secret with you every day, desperate to one day get it off your chest. Do you think you could take a secret like that to the grave? I'm Estefania Hageman, host of the new podcast series, Deathbed Confessions, the show where we dive deep into the most explosive things people have admitted to while drawing their last breath. From murder, fake identities, heists, illicit affairs, and even top government secrets. This season on Deathbed Confessions, we investigate cases like Frank Thorogood, the construction worker who claimed that the drowning of Rolling Stones founder Brian Jones was no accident. Margaret Gibson, a silent film actress who, while dying of a heart attack, confessed to one of the most famous unsolved crimes in Hollywood history. And ex-CIA officer Howard Hunt, who on his deathbed confessed to playing a role in the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Deathbed Confessions is a Spotify original from Parcast, airing episodes weekly starting July 21st. Follow and listen to Deathbed Confessions for free on Spotify. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Now back to the story. After they heard the sick crunch of Father Aron's death at the bottom of the canyon, a silence passed between Father Bernardo and the conquistador Hernán. Bernardo wasn't sure if Hernán had seen the Dark Watcher on the other side of the canyon before Aron fell. It somehow felt like an insult to bring up now, after Aron had insisted it was a legend. Bernardo had to believe that. This was a time for faith, not superstition. He spoke up. We must get down to Father Aron and give him his last rites. Ednan pulled some jerky from a bag on the donkey and bit into it. You can head down if you like, but that's eight hours out of our way into hostile territory. I'd love to see you minister to the Chumash tribe. <laughs> I could do with a laugh. Bernardo found an outrage in himself that he hadn't expected. You're making jokes when a man of God is dead? Ednan leaned on the rock and swallowed his jerky. He is dead, so we must think no more of him. He belongs to God now. Isn't that how things work, Father? Bernardo didn't want to debate theology with a brute like Ednan, but the man's rudeness had made him bold. So he asked, how did it happen? Ednan's eyes narrowed. Bernardo stared pointedly and said that Aron fell quite suddenly. Ednan stood up fully. Say what you mean, priest. Bernardo swallowed. Was he pushed? Ednan laughed. You were closer to him than me. You stopped on the trail so suddenly. Perhaps if you'd been quicker. A well of shame opened up inside Bernardo. Could Ednan be right? Could he have saved his friend if he was faster or braver? 
The thought was too painful, so he asked the one question he didn't want to ask. Did you see the Watcher? Ednan adjusted his posture. Well, someone's looking for a distraction. Bernardo wasn't swayed. Did you see it? Ednan picked up the donkey's lead and walked off without a word. All Father Bernardo could do was follow. He held back a sob as he took one last look at the jagged cliff, the final resting place of his friend and mentor. Then he hurried to catch up to Ednan, climbing higher into the Santa Lucias. The higher they went, the lonelier and wilder the terrain became. The sun was hot, the brush was sparse, and the ground was loose. Still, the crash of the faraway ocean waves seemed to chase them, no matter how high they climbed. Bernardo was now certain they were being pursued. Though the terrain was terrifyingly open, with steep peaks extending all around them, he couldn't help but feel that something was lurking just out of the corner of his eye. The sun had reached its zenith when he finally spoke. How long until we reach the Redwood Forest? Ednan smirked. An hour or two, if you can keep up. Bernardo nodded and trudged forward, keeping his eyes on the ground so he wouldn't trip. Then he bumped into Ednan, who was standing still. Ernan had paused on the trail, the donkey's reins limp in his hand. He stood frozen, his body taut, and his gaze fixed on a nearly vertical rock face. The tiniest cut in the sandstone left a small edge that jutted out, far too thin for anyone to stand on, and yet someone was on it. The Dark Watcher was the same giant size it had been before, even though it was farther away. Bernardo froze too and whispered, Do you see it now? Ednan didn't answer at first. He seemed to be in a trance. Then he began to whisper, It's far away, it's far away, it's far away. Bernardo blinked and the figure was now on the next peak, closer. Ednan didn't move, he just kept whispering. So Bernardo took the donkey's reins from his hand. He kept his eyes on the shadow. Ednan, we need to move. The far off sound of the waves flared for the briefest moment and the watcher appeared on the next closest peak, then the next. Bernardo was certain that if they didn't go now, they would perish. So with a twinge of guilt about Ednan, he ran. Bernardo tugged at the donkey. The animal brayed in protest, but it followed. He was close to the next turn in the path when he heard footsteps behind him. He dared not look. He could feel the waves pulsing in a strange and horrible rhythm. They pounded in his ears, so loud that he didn't hear Ednan run up behind him until the man was already pushing him down. Bernardo tumbled into the sandy rocks at the edge of the trail, dropping the donkey's lead. It brayed and turned in the opposite direction to run down the hill. Bernardo spit out dust and pushed himself off the ground as Hernán ran ahead, 
Glancing back with wide, terrified eyes, the conquistador scrambled along the path, clearly abandoning Bernardo to the watcher's whims. But then, Bernardo saw the watcher appear in the middle of the trail, five feet in front of Hernan. Hernan froze, his breath coming in rasps. The figure did not move. It only stood, unseen eyes fixed on its prey. Finally, Hernan found his voice. Out of my way! The watcher did not move. When Hernan took a step forward, the slight turn of its head indicated that its eyes followed. The conquistador drew his great blade and commanded again, out of the way, in the name of his majesty. The creature quirked its head sideways ever so slightly as if confused. Still, it did not yield. Hernan let out a battle cry and slashed at the air, but the watcher did not move. So Hernan charged forward, fists and blade flying. The minute he touched the dark shape, however, he was swallowed by it, as if he'd fallen through an obsidian mirror. The crash of the waves suddenly dropped into eerie silence. Then Bernardo heard Hernan scream. The sound came from deep inside the Dark Watcher. It was a horrible cry, at once human and inhuman, desperate and drowning, as if it came from beneath the sea. The Watcher's shadowy form smudged at the edges as Hernan tried to escape his impossible prison. Bernardo was certain he couldn't help even if he tried, but he still felt a pang of guilt as the dark shape twisted and stretched. Then suddenly, the shadow went still. The screaming stopped mid-cry, and only the waves were left. It felt serene, even soothing, or it would have felt like that if the Dark Watcher wasn't still standing on the path, blocking Bernardo's access to safety and civilization. Bernardo tried to calm himself and figure out a plan. The creature had clearly seen him, but it was only one figure. Yes, it could move incredibly fast and swallow men up in the blink of an eye, but it was only one creature. Until... It wasn't. Another watcher appeared on the cliff beside the first, then another, then another. Soon every cliff around Bernardo had a shadowy figure on it. Bernardo let out a gasp as he realized he was entirely surrounded by the dark watchers. Coming up, Father Bernardo fights to escape the Dark Watcher's gaze. Now, back to the story. Father Bernardo was trapped alone in the rocky Santa Lucia Mountains, surrounded by Dark Watchers. He did not want to die as the conquistador Hernan had, consumed by the unearthly void at the center of these monsters. The watcher that took Ednan still stood on the path to safety. Before he died, Ednan had told Bernardo it would take an hour or two to get to the redwood forest in the valley below. 
the forest was known to be dangerous too, but at this point, Bernardo would take anything over these horrible cliffs. Bernardo slowly stood. The dark watchers did not move. He was unnerved to see they cast no shadows. It was like they were shadow itself. Bernardo lowered his head like a bull ready to charge. Then he broke into a run. He barreled straight at the figure on the narrow path. He wasn't sure what he could do when he reached the Watcher. Perhaps he could dodge to the side or throw himself off the cliff and pray for survival. He shut his eyes as he closed the distance, certain he was about to meet his end. And yet he ran forward, farther than he should have been able to. He cracked one eye open, just barely stopping at a bend in the path. One step farther and he would have tumbled down the cliff face, but that didn't matter, because the Watcher had disappeared. Bernardo didn't understand, but he didn't have time to question it. He sprinted forth, his pack bouncing behind him as he ran up the trail. The land opened out to show a valley of redwoods as far as the eye could see. He didn't care what dangers waited in the forest, he had to get there. He tried not to look anywhere but ahead of him, as each time he glanced behind or to the side, he saw another dark watcher blink into existence. Bernardo ran until his lungs burned and his legs screamed. The pack on his back was a horrible weight, so he cast it off, leaving it in the dust as the trees got closer. That's when he heard a strange sound, almost like someone's breath. Bernardo looked back, and what he saw compelled him to stop. The Dark Watcher was studying the pack he'd left behind. For the first time, he saw real motion from it as it bent down, its form warping at impossible angles to get closer to the supplies. The figure's form somehow looked flat, like a piece of paper, but its edges were sharp as a knife. Bernardo couldn't help but wonder if Ednan had been flattened inside this Watcher. He shook the dark thought from his mind and focused. The Watcher was clearly curious. He looked down at his water skin and felt a tiny bit of jerky in his pocket. If they were curious about these things, perhaps he could lay a trail for the Watchers that led away from him. He threw his water skin and jerky bits off the path, desperately hoping they would follow the breadcrumbs and not him. Then he ran again. Salvation seemed near as he reached the forest. There was a cathedral-like quality to the site, the majestic redwoods closing in like gothic columns. Bernardo thanked God and let out a joyous sigh of relief, but it caught in his throat. Suddenly, there were dark watchers everywhere, by every tree lurking in the shadows, swallowing up any light that peeked through the canopy above. Bernardo looked behind him. The food supplies were abandoned where they lay. That wasn't what the watchers wanted. No, they wanted him. Bernardo's heart pounded. What more could he do? 
But then a thought occurred to him, a burst of inspiration he was certain came from the Lord above. Earlier, when he'd closed his eyes and barreled toward a Watcher, the creature had disappeared. Perhaps the Watchers couldn't harm him if he couldn't see them. It was a weak hope, but he committed to it. Ednan had told him at the start of their journey to always keep an eye out. But Bernardo hoped he knew better than his misguided guide. He would not keep an eye out. He would instead have faith in himself, as Father Aron had whispered to him. Bernardo shut his eyes, his pace slowing to a crawl. He stretched his arms out in front of him, fingers shaking as he took tentative steps. The sound of crunching leaves and ferns told him he'd entered the woods. He blocked out the faraway crash of waves that echoed in his ears and the terrifying sight of Father Aron and Ednan's deaths. He took deep breaths, recited the Lord's Prayer in his mind, and pictured the image he'd seen before he closed his eyes, a peaceful church of nature. Reality fought him. These woods were alive, but they were not welcoming. He knew in his heart that he was trespassing. The Watchers had told him so with every appearance. And if he was honest with himself, his faith confirmed it. This land did not belong to his god, and it would never belong to the Spanish. So Bernardo took each step with humility. He stopped thinking of a cathedral and submitted to the fact that he was in someone else's home. He silently thanked the birds in the trees and the insects that buzzed around him. He paid respect to every creature, both earthly and unearthly. He hoped it was enough. But then he felt a flutter, like he was passing through a veil. The sound dropped out again, and the world went cold. Bernardo quivered, and his instinct told him to hold his breath. He'd never been a good swimmer, and he felt that same chill he felt when the Pacific's waves had crashed against their little boat. He was thousands of feet from the sea, yet he felt as if he was walking through a frigid ocean. He knew somehow that this was what a dark watcher felt like. He was moving through them, but he still was. His gamble had worked. He was untouchable and uncapturable because he did not watch them back. Bernardo did not breathe until the warmth of the woods returned. He wanted to open his eyes and run, but he knew he'd trip if he ran, just like he knew the dark watchers were still close, watching his every move and waiting to end him. Bernardo picked through the vegetation, edging away carefully every time he felt a chill that warned him of the watcher's presence. He thought he'd be safe this way, but the rule did not hold. Suddenly, he ran smack into another watcher. This watcher felt solid, painfully so. Bernardo clutched at the robes, panic rising, preparing for that horrible, impossible prison inside of it. But then he heard a woman's voice. Are you all right, Padre? 
Her robes were not the icy cold of a deep pit. They were soft linen, warm but breezy in the mountain air, a simple peasant dress. Bernardo now heard children playing and hammers pounding, the sounds of people. He'd reached his destination, but still he kept his eyes closed. The woman told him she was surprised that a blind man had made his way through the land of Los Vigilantes Oscuros. Father Bernardo did not correct her. He'd made it to safety, but he wasn't sure he'd ever feel safe enough to open his eyes again. There are several explanations for phantom figures on high peaks and the feeling of being watched in the wilderness. Infrasound, or vibrations at frequencies below what humans can hear, can cause paranoia, insomnia, and hallucinations. Ocean waves have been known to cause this phenomenon, too. It's possible that the solitude of Big Sur, combined with infrasound from the waves below, primes hikers for their visions of the dark watchers. But another interesting natural phenomenon may be at play, too. The Brocken Spectre. Named after a mountain in Germany where it was first observed, the Brocken Spectre is the image of a large, dark figure that appears when the sun shines behind an observer who's positioned at a high elevation. The figure is actually the observer's own shadow, but they mistake it for something much larger due to their skewed depth perception. Clouds, mist, and fog can enhance this eerie confusion. Whether you believe the Watchers are an illusion or monsters, their unnerving nature is hard to shake. They're a constant reminder that the natural world will never belong to us. It cannot be tamed, controlled, or even fully understood. It's notable that Dark Watcher legends come from colonizers who occupied Big Sur after clashes with the Chumash. They hint at a baked-in anxiety about a simple truth. Americans were living on occupied land at the cost of countless indigenous lives. Perhaps that's why John Steinbeck seems to recommend avoidance or denial as the best defense against the Dark Watchers in his short story, Flight. No one knew who the Watchers were, nor where they lived, but it was better to ignore them and never to show interest in them. They did not bother one who stayed on the trail and minded his own business. If you mind your business, perhaps you will never see the Watchers at all. But avoidance is a flighty friend. Sometimes we run smack into the truth. And after all, sometimes acknowledging the hard things is the only way forward. In the case of the Dark Watchers, maybe acknowledgement wouldn't be so bad. After all, they have been peaceful in most accounts. But then again, we're only getting stories from the people who survived. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters is a Spotify original from Parcast. 
It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jennifer Rache, with writing assistance by Amin Osman and Nora Battelle, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 